1: Whether you've overdone it at the gym, at the dinner table, or on the couch,
0: AHM Health Insurance have a cover for you. Join direct at ahm.com.au. Hello,
1: everyone, and welcome to the SEN NBA podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Tyler, and alongside me is Luke Sicari. What's going on, buddy?
2: Not much, Christos. It's an exciting time, so we're getting closer and closer to the season with every passing day, so it's a good time to be a basketball fan.
1: We love it. And Chris De Silva, what's going on, man?
0: Not much, man. Just counting down the days till opening night and, most importantly, ring night.
1: And what we're going to be doing today, we're going to continue our division preview. Last week... We had your boys. We were talking about your boys, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yes, this sir. week we get to touch on the Pacific Division, Atlantic. which includes well, the Atlantic Division, which includes <laughs> my boys, the Boston Celtics. R- We've got a different studio. I'm rattled. We're in we're a different studio. We've right.
2: got no audio. We're
1: it's a like, bit off our
0: game. It's like we're in a, a hostile environment in a in away are. arena. Yeah. I
1: called you Chris De Silver before. Well, I called you Chris Sakari <laughs> before, and now I just got it wrong again. We're just going to continue moving on. I don't know how many mistakes we're going to make this podcast. But we'll see how we go. We'll, we'll start off with out. the Boston Celtics. Yes, and this is a team that's very, very close to my heart. This is my boys. Last season finished fifth, forty-eight and thirty-four record. But it was very close. It was pretty much a, a four-way tie uh, from third. We did not hold the tiebreaker pretty much, so it uh, ended up being not an ideal season for us. But bringing in Al Horford is obviously the biggest uh, in for the Celtics. Lost a couple of guys in Jared Sullinger and Evan Turner, but in the end, you'd say that the Celtics had a pretty successful off-season.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Al Horford, he, the Al Horford signing is so good in so many ways. It breaks the mold that Boston couldn't sign a free agent, an all-star free agent. That was kind of a um, it, it was a perceived idea among the NBA world. But Horford signing, he was probably the second best you could do after Durant. Obviously, yeah, and interview- that was the
1: thing. Everyone would have been wrapped if you would have told us 12 months ago, if you would have told Boston supporters 12 months ago that Al Horford would have come to us. Absolutely. They'll but the time that. that Al Horford was coming to us during that week, was the whole Durant thing as well. So once we were having a pitch meeting with Durant, that was when we actually signed Horford. And there were words that Durant really wanted to play with Horford. So we thought, all right, as soon as we actually ended up signing Horford, then we're we're in for Durant as well. He wants to come to the Celtics. He's keen to jump on board. And then when he didn't come to the Celtics, then a lot of Celtics supporters kind of felt a little bit empty and thought, oh, well, we thought we were going to get Durant. We didn't get him in the end. But Horford is still a big signing, so no Celtics fan should be discouraged from the fact that Durant didn't end up coming to the club.
0: No, and I think they should be encouraged that they got in the room with Durant, which not every team can do. So... And we're
1: probably down to the last three, you'd say. Uh, absolutely. So...
0: It was a Tom Brady effect. Exactly. Absolutely. So... And, and
1: the Kelly Olynyk effect. <laughs> and the Marcus Smart. <laughs> the Marcus Smart effect. <laughs> the whole team's effect.
0: Uh, but, yeah, like I said, getting in the room with Durant is huge because it's a very select group. And it shows that they're really one of the elite. I yeah, think, for me.
2: And I think with the Horford signing as well, just moving back onto the court, it's so big because it gives Boston a pick, and, a legitimately pick and roll, pick and pop partner with Isaiah Thomas. So Isaiah Thomas is so good at attacking and playmaking off a screen and roll. Now you plug Horford in sending those screens instead of say a Jared Salinger or an Amir Johnson, and Horford's a guy who's got range that extends out to the 3 point line. You don't want him, which shooting, is very important. Yeah, you don't want him shooting him on a consistent basis, but he can hit him. His mid-range shooting is unbelievable, and he he's a really nice finisher around the basket because he's got a soft touch.
0: In many ways, you would say he's the perfect today's big man, right? I mean, he can shoot oh, yeah. it from anywhere, and most most importantly, he's a two-way player. And he has great and core vision as well. Absolutely. So you've got a guy that can pass, that can dribble, that can shoot, and he can defend maybe two or three positions. He can When he switched out onto a guard, he can corral them uh to the baseline if need be. So I think it's a very good acquisition for the Celtics.
1: Brad Stevens is certainly gonna love this guy. This is a guy that can Absolutely. do everything. He's kind of the Swiss Army knife. Can play multiple yeah. positions, like you said. Can go both ways. He's going to certainly kind of solidify that starting lineup for the Celtics. We've already seen a couple of, in a couple of preseason games how beneficial he has been to the squad. There has been some issues with the secondary unit at the moment, uh, at least in preseason. But I'm sure Brad Stevens will figure that out. Other additions include Jalen Brown, Demetrius Jackson, Gerald Green. Jalen Brown's a big one that we probably should touch on a little bit with the number three pick. Uh, I think a lot of Celtics fans, again, thought that there was going to be a trade in the works, possibly with Minnesota. So uh, we thought maybe we'd get another point guard in or or make that big move for for Butler, something like that. In the end, nothing eventuated. Jalen Brown comes in. This is a guy that's incredibly athletic, can be something special. He's got an incredibly high ceiling, but he just hasn't quite shown enough at the at the highest level yet. In college we saw him last season for Cal, didn't quite have the season that many predicted, but he's certainly someone that you can have a look at for this shit, this year. I season. think
2: I think Jalen Brown really fits the mold of what is, what the Celtics are trying to be, uh, trying to build, excuse me, because he's a really tough tough defender out on mm. the perimeter. So we spoke to him on draft night as part of the assembled media. We spoke to him via satellite, and he said it, he said he was so happy to become a Celtic because he feels like he's he's a defensive player. Fits the identity. That's, he fits the identity. Yeah. He's going to Brad Stevens, who's one of the brightest minds in the league, which, just on a side note, it's going to be really good to see how he uses Horford in yeah. so many situations on offensively and defensively. But back to Jalen Brown. I mean, his minutes might be staggered to start a little bit. He doesn't provide much on the offensive end just yet, but he makes up for it defensively because he's an unbelievable defender.
0: And That's my only question with Boston is, because everyone knows, we all know how good they are defensively, right? But... Have they got too many guys who are forcing them to play, you know, four on five on the offensive end? Yeah. You know, uh, Marcus Smart's another one who's doesn't provide too much offensively. Historically
1: um, terrible f- three-point yeah. shooter last season. So
0: for them to take that next step into really challenging the Cavs and trying to get the number one seed in the East, I think they're going to have to see improvement from those players. Smart, even Avery Bradley to, ex- to an yep. extent, although he is a better shooter. Jay Crowd is another one. Yeah, another one. So... If they see improvement from those guys on the offensive end, I think that's where they can take the next step.
1: Yeah, that's why you wanted to really focus on the 2015 uh, draft selections that we had in Terry Rozier and RJ Hunter. Terry Rosier's is a guy that's coming through who showed a lot in Summer League, didn't play many minutes last year but he's certainly someone who can kind of step up and take that Evan Turner role a little bit and play those extra minutes. And RJ Hunt is someone that can shoot the three, who was probably projected to be one of our best three-point shooters yeah. once he comes into his game a little bit, but he really hasn't come on as much as I'm sure everyone at uh, at the Celtics would have hoped. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of roller coaster and goes. And James,
0: James Young's another one as well. Yeah, yeah I who think really he's just about dead. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He's, been, well, he's still one of the youngest on, on the yeah. roster. He's still very, very young. But he hasn't shown anything. He was Mr. potential as well. Exactly with Michael Smart. Yeah, he's in. he's probably the one that's on the periphery at the moment. That's going to be the first to get cut. Inside. Well, they're
0: they're filled with young talent that can got sky high potential, and I guess fans and you know pundits are like we're looking to see the talent eventually. Yeah, and them. I think
2: it'd be it'd be remiss to not mention all the assets this team has. So they've obviously got the net Brooklyn Nets, who we'll touch on in just a minute. Boston owns their next two first-round picks, which, which are sure to be, be top, top three, three picks. Yep. Yeah. So, and then Boston have a fair amount of cap space as well. So, it, it, the, the main concern would be that this team still hasn't got a super uh, a real. I mean, as good as Thomas and Horford will be together, it's not the scariest one-two combo in the league. Correct. And there's not going to be enough to knock off Cleveland.
0: And and Horford is thirty, so he's not yeah. yeah not so a he's not team, young, sprint sprint right?
2: Chicken. But. The Celtics and you know Danny Ainge is a master negotiator. So the Celtics have so so many assets they can use. If they get to the mid season, the trade deadline, and they're not quite where they want to be, they could easily chase. They, they might. But be, they haven't been
1: able to pull it off so far. That's they the haven't issue. yet,
2: but they've still got the assets there. And you think eventually they're going to pay off. And like at the end of the day, if it doesn't, well, here's another top three draft pick walking into the system. Yeah, the
1: good thing about Danny Ainge is that he doesn't want to lose any trades. He, yeah. he wants to make sure that he's got the absolute best trade available to him. He's not going to trade just for the sake of trading which I think is a good move because there's been a lot of pressure from the Boston Celtics fan base to actually make that big move now that we've got so much uh, assets but he hasn't actually caved in and said, alright, I'll just trade for the sake of trading, I'll get a name in and we'll see how we go. He wants to make sure that they actually make the most out yeah, of his and,
0: and the thing about trading is I think fans always, as fans, you know, we, we want to see moves, we want to see blockbuster trades Once you trade in a guy, you have to convince him to stay, right? Yeah. The last thing you want to do is mortgage out the farm on this one guy. Isaiah's
1: going to get him to stay anyway. Isaiah's the master (laughs) recruiter. Yeah. If if, if Everyone in the league wants to play with Isaiah. And Marcus Smart. And Marcus Smart. And I think
2: that's important to note as well, because if you look at the superstars that could be available in the trade market this year, I think you'd mainly look at Blake Griffin, who's out of contract at season's ends. So can you convince him prior to making the trade that... Blake, we're going we're gonna to make a trade for you, but you've got to commit to us long term. And it, it, no player is going to lock themselves into that without exploring this free agency market yeah, p- where the salary cap is just rising for you to risk.
1: I think most players realise though that the Celtics do have an incredibly talented and young list. They're heading in the right direction and they've got so many assets. So you're not really mortgaging the house once you actually come to the Celtics. So exactly. with a lot yeah. of teams, you might want to make your way there but then the team has to give up so much to get you yeah, the, yeah. there's no real talent around you there's still going to be that in boston because you only really have to give away yeah future picks and and that should be enough to get the job done
0: yeah absolutely and i think one of the things that deters you know big free agents from coming east is still i think the lebron james factor the fact that they yeah. have to go through lebron while lebron's it's not in much easier than the west though yeah i was much easier in the west much
2: but, easier you know, is it easier than the Steph Curry and Kevin Durant factor now?
1: Uh, and the Spurs, you still have the Spurs right
0: up there. No one's been able to take down King James for seven years. So. <laughs> yeah,
1: true. <laughs> All right, so, what do we have as as predictions for the Celtics, both in the division and uh, overall?
2: I have Boston third in the Eastern Conference and second in the in the division.
0: Yeah, I have the same, both behind the Raptors. Yeah, yeah.
1: See. I have them first in the division. I've got them second overall. Mm-hmm. So obviously, Cleveland's first. I've got them second overall. That's not being biased.
2: No, and and that difference between Toronto and Boston's only going to be a couple of games. It's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, it's uh, very, very... I was going to touch point. on
1: this at, at the end, but I'll, I'll, I'll touch on it now. It's kind of there's three tiers in this division. The first division is the Celtics and Toronto. The second division is the Knicks. And then the third division is Philly and the Nets. It's yeah. essentially like that. Yeah. So yeah. you don't know what uh, who's going to be one and two. You don't really know who's going to be four and five. But those are pretty much set in stone, you'd say. Yeah,
0: it's a, it's a close division, but a far division at the same time. Yeah,
1: absolutely. We'll move on to the Nets last season, finished 14th in the division, 21 in the uh, in the conference. conference. 14th in the division, that'd be terrible. <laughs> 21 and 61 <laughs> overall. A lot, of, a lot of additions, a lot of subtractions, but a whole lot of nothing as well, Luke.
2: Yeah, and it's funny because you look at these two teams, Boston and Brooklyn, and obviously they're starting to Ryan going back to the KG and Paul Pierce trade. And when that trade was made, if you would have said in two to three years' time that Boston would probably be the best-positioned team in the league in terms of assets and current talent compared to Brooklyn, who are the complete opposite. I cannot think of a worse situation at the moment than the Brooklyn Nets. Now, that might sound harsh, but you look at it. They're rebuilding. Their only real trade asset is Brook Lopez, who we'll touch on a bit later because he can still play. And then they haven't got their draft picks. So they've... They didn't have it last year. They, this year, it's um, it's go. They have the right to swap it with Boston. So whatever Boston's first round pick is going to be, going to go to Brooklyn. So, but you're basically giving up a top three pick for a pick that will probably be in the late twenties. And then in, in 2018, Boston own it outright. So <laughs> it's not it's not a great situation for the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, is,
0: there's just not much there. Yeah, yeah not at all. Um, and you can see how much assets the team has when they. are Biggest free agency acquisitions, Jeremy Lynn.
1: What about former number one pick, Anthony Bennett? No mate, comment. Just, mate. No co-
2: well, let's just say, just, oh, hurts, just quickly on Bennett, I mean, some <laughs> players can thrive in situations where there's literally no pressure whatsoever. You'd think he's going to get an opportunity. Now, I'm not saying he's going to do well, but I mean some players take a few years to really blush him.
1: I mean... You, Are you predicting that he's actually going to be half-decent this year? I'm
2: not, but what I'm saying is, if he's ever going to, will be this year. But he's, he won't. This year's going to be the opportunity. But, again... It's- yeah, because
0: guys, a, guys, a guy like that, you know, he gets traded around in the league, and then wherever he goes, he doesn't tend to get an opportunity, you know. He went from the Cavs to Minnesota, didn't get opportunity there. Went back home to Toronto, same thing. So... If he's going to get minutes anywhere, it's got to be on this team, right?
1: Yeah, the biggest change, though, from that team from last season is the loss of Thad Young. It's only a half-decent player, Yeah. besides yeah. Brook Lopez, and yeah, he's and, gone.
2: And I think another big difference for Brooklyn, in a positive, is they've brought in Kenny Atkinson as head coach. He's been around the league and an assistant for about eight years, and he's highly respected for player development, which is probably the most important thing you need in Brooklyn at the moment with all these fringe NBA young players. So... And, uh, there's talk is that Kenny Atkinson has changed a lot of the scouts and a lot of the guys in the in the front office and in the basketball operations department and most of the um, the internal noise coming out of that is all positive Now, obviously, that's not going to affect much on the court this season, but it steps in the right direction, which is with this Brooklyn team at the moment, it's all you're looking for. It steps in the right direction for the future based on who they've hired the head coach, Kenny Atkinson, and what he's done so far off
0: the court. It's positive. Well, I think for for the Nets, you know, having moved from New Jersey and stuff and not being so successful on the court, you're really looking to build a culture, build a positive, positive culture. And I think Kenny Atkinson can definitely do that And especially with these young guys, that's what you wanna, I wouldn't say more than, you know, the on on court success, because on court success is still important, but while wins may not be, you know, of your highest priority at this stage, you definitely need to build that culture in these young players, so that, you know, when you eventually get out of this and you got your own assets back, that you can build something more sustainable going forward.
1: Right, so where do we see these guys? Do you have anything else to add? To,
2: the only to thing this? I would add is um, they've also brought a new GM, Sean Marks, who's a San Antonio sports, Spurs prodigy. Yeah. So that's another good guy to have in your front office. I just think this is the year that they have to trade Brook Lopez. So he's 28 at the moment. He you c- want to get some assets in. You have to get assets because you get Lopez, he's got value. He's 28. What do you get back from, though? you take anything for Brooklyn, wouldn't you? I mean, you assume that contending teams would be interested in Lopez he can give you 20 and 7 that's what he averaged last year he played 70 plus games so he was healthy last year so I mean if you're giving him to a contender you're probably going to get late picks back and fringe young players but if in Brooklyn's situation, what's more valuable? Is it keeping Lopez and winning maybe two to three more games? Or is it trading Lopez out, losing a couple more games because you weren't going to win many anyway? As a
1: Celtics fan, do that. Yeah, <laughs> do that. well, for Boston
2: <laughs> are rooting for it. But if you're Brooklyn, just take any pick because you never know you might draft a gem rather than keeping an aging big man.
0: The only I agree with you, Luke. The only thing I'm thinking is, you know, if you want to trade someone, there has to be a market for it, right? And yeah where's the market for, you know, a big man who doesn't defend, doesn't rebound that well, you know?
1: And you're right, he is beneficial for the team. Mm. You can't just get rid of whoever's making your team half decent. You still need good players around you. You need guys to kind of lead the younger players. You can't just get rid of whatever talent you have just for future draft picks because you don't know what they're going to become. Yeah. If you do have the talent there, regardless of the fact that it's still only going to get them probably the 14th or 15th overall place in the East... You do have to kind of keep some talent around you at all,
2: I would have thought. And just one more thing on the net, just because I love this guy personally, is one Ronde Hollis-Jefferson. I
1: thought you were going to say Karis Lavert, I love <laughs> <laughs>
2: So, Hollis-Jefferson played just 29 games last season due to a fractured ankle, but he showed that he could be an all-NBA type defender. So, last year, going via ESPN's defensive real plus minus metric, Hollis-Jefferson was fourth among guards and he was only behind Danny Green, Chris Paul, and Tony Allen, who are all known as premier defenders in this league. So Hollis Jefferson, he has versatility, he has quickness, he has length, he's got strength. He's got everything you need to become an elite defender. Which And uh, that's one of the reasons I'm watching Brooklyn this year, is to watch Hollis Jefferson on defense. He's not going to provide much offensively yet, but I think he's going to have an opportunity to play on the best player every single night. So we really get to see if there's something there for a Superstar all NBA defender in the future. Right, yeah,
0: great. and while he m- doesn't show that much offensively yet, he still shot you know sixty three percent in the mid range this year. Which, right, which I just looked at and surprised me. Um, so that's something maybe he could build off. And you know if he can extend extend that range to the three point line, then the sky's the limit. Uh,
1: what are your predictions for uh, for the next season? Not good.
2: Uh, last, <laughs> last, and last in in the division and the conference. Yeah, same. If we all agree.
1: Yeah, <laughs> fifth and fifth. Not much debate there. Uh, let's move on to the Knicks. This is a team that I really don't know what to expect from them. And I think most people are kind of in the same boat. Last season, they were thirteenth, finished with thirty-two and fifty record. Brought in some big names, including one D Rose, as well as Joe Kim, Noah, Courtney Lee, Brandon Jennings, Justin Holiday, a bunch of other guys as well. They have uh, gotten rid of Robin Lopez, Kevin and Derek Williams, Tony Roten, Anthony, early, a bunch of other guys as well. Uh, what do you guys think is going to happen in the New York for the Knicks? Because there's a lot of talent there, but I'm not entirely confident.
0: I don't know what the hell is going to happen in New York, but they are a league pass team. Oh yes. They are oh, absolutely yeah. a league pass team, and whether it's good or bad, it's going to be can't miss basketball every single night. Is there any a time when we don't know what's happening in New York? Like is
2: there, is there any time i have gone into a season saying you know what I reckon the Knicks are going to be really good or I'm really bad? I'm confident this year. they're going to finish We're sixth. Always, yeah, always <laughs> up in the air with the Knicks. But I mean, it's because it, you look at this roster, and if you look at the names on paper, you have Kamala Renf, and He's still one of the best scorers in the league. Porzingis last season showed that he's got all-star potential. You're bringing in D Rose, who was solid at the back end of last season. And then but you he still have, has some concerns. Oh, massive, yeah. massive concerns, and especially off the court as well. Yeah, and you have um, Noah, who, when he's healthy, which is a big if, he can still be one of the most disruptive defenders in the league, and he's an on-court leader, which kind of new. York, and he's a
0: great big man passer as well. He's
2: a great passer, and he's going to be really good off the court as well for the Knicks in the locker room, which is something they kind of lacked last year. But is it just with this team? It feels like there's too many questions and not enough answers. So yeah. is Rose and Noah going to be healthy? I mean, you've got the dilemma of who's going to handle the ball more between Rose and Anthony. Paul Zingas needs the ball to keep his development going. Um, they're not a great three-point shooting team. So is it... I don't know. Is there enough here to think... They're going to win games. And
1: the fact that they want to play three different types of offense. So they want to <laughs> play the triangle, but they want to play the triangle in a little different way than what the triangle is usually yeah, it's played at. They the want place. to play quicker. They want to play this. They want to play that. They don't know what they want to play. Yeah,
2: and I think with the Knicks, it's just... You can't go into a season with this many question marks and feel really confident yeah. of where you're going to go. Like I always say, talent does win games, and that's what New York got. They got talent, so they're going to win some games solely on talent of Carmelo and Porzingis because they did that a few times last year. Mm. You add Rose into the mix, it, it, despite all his deficiencies at the back end of last season, he was okay. So they will win games on talent alone. Will it be enough? That's another massive question, probably the biggest one.
0: Yeah, and I think. While they've got, you know, big names to start, I think you once you look past their starting lineup, they've they've, they've got no, nothing. There's not much there. They've got nothing. So, you know, they might be able to stay afloat while D-Rose, while Noah, Anthony are on the court, but, and I think early on in the season, you know, because early on in the season you see a lot of these teams who are not quite talented, they hang around a lot, right, because they've got something to play for. And you'll see him hang around, but then once a bench unit comes in, guys like Lance Thomas, Willie, Hernan Gomez. Yeah. they got another European guy as well whose name I'm not going to try and pronounce.
2: (laughs) But um, another thing with the Knicks is, are they going to be good enough defensively? Look at look at this team they've got together. Granted, Noah could be a really good defender, but again, the health issue is too yeah. big to concretely say Noah's going to make him a better defensive team. We know Carmelo's not a great defender. Porzingis slowed a bit defensively at the back in the last season, but he can be okay. We know Rose isn't a great defender. Uh, are they going to be good enough defensively to get enough stops? It looks like no. Yeah, that's what it looks like And then, I uh, I don't think Offence will be much of an issue I think they'll score they whether, will, yeah. whether they do so efficiently or not Probably a bigger question Because you've got so many players Who need the ball in their hands There's not going to be a lot of ball movement there And shot selections another issue Off the back of that But when you've got guys like Carmelo, Puzingas and Rose on your team You're going to score
1: and and someone like Courtney Lee as well who's Courtney Lee, a big yeah. scorer who we haven't really touched on so far. Yeah,
0: he's yeah. he's probably their best three-point
2: shooter yeah. on the and roster. And he's probably
0: their best perimeter defender as well. He really gets after on the defensive end. He's he's a great addition to be honest. Uh, out him. of all their signings, yeah. that, that, that's the best one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: Because like we said, we've said it so many times already, but it's just you just don't know if Rose and Noah you just don't know. Are they going to be healthy? How much is Rose's off-court distraction going to affect his play on the court? There's so many questions. Is he going
0: to miss time because of that as well? He could miss time. Because, I, I mean, of that's, the a, case. that's a that's yes. a very real possibility, and in which case, Brandon Jennings will be starting. Yeah, who's
2: another guy who needs the ball in his hands to be to, the most effective? I to think play one of the best.
0: One of the biggest questions uh, with the Knicks is, and it's kind of strange because it's their most known commodity, but. Is this the year we really see a decline from Carmelo Anthony? Because you're talking about a guy who's been an elite scorer in the league for what 13, 14 years now, and his points per average is points per game as that has dropped the last four years, from 28 to 21.8 last year. So, do we see another decline, or does he plateau? We don't know.
1: Yeah, it's going to be tough to see. I, I can't see him falling away a
2: lot. Yeah. And it's just a matter of yeah. how much of the torch is going to pass to Porzingis as well. Is he going to? Is he happy to pass that torch yet? That's the thing with this he team. He says he is, but you never really know. Everyone, <laughs> yeah. no one's going to say they're not.
0: Who who takes the final shot for them? In, in, Mello. Yeah, Mello, still Mello. Still Mello. Yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, to me, it's still his team. If if I'm a coach in the NBA and I could pick a player who I want to ball in his hands in the last five seconds to win the game, Mello's still in my top five choices. I still believe he's so reliable in the clutch.
0: Yeah, and he showed that with Team USA, I think as well. Yeah. Re- really, and people were kind of surprised that he was on that team given his age and whatnot but i think he really he showed this maturity and i think he showed it last year with Paul Singus as well where people expected him to kind of give Paul Singus his cold shoulder but he really took him under his under his wing and showed this other side to him uh, he to a mellow actually needed a team around you know yeah yeah mean. and and it was almost like a coming of age and it's funny because him and LeBron have been compared so much. And this is a coming of age that LeBron had about 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, Better late like than never. M- M- Mello got it. So <laughs> He got there eventually. Um, one thing is, what do we think the ceiling is for Paul Zingas? He, he projects to be something really high. special.
2: Very high. Yeah, it's a very... It, it's, there is superstar potential there. De-
0: yeah, he shot 33% from three last year. I think he can definitely improve there. Get to 35, 36. If, yeah. Even higher because his shot mechanics are again really good, um, and yeah, if he if he sorts that out and then he's the he's the great shot blocker as well.
2: And he's he's so athletic for his size. We've never seen a big man who can dribble and just do the things that he does offensively. Yeah. Uh, not not we we we've seen him before, but from what we saw last year as a rookie coming straight out of the European system, when I mean, he got booed on draft night because no one knew who the hell he this kid was, and he
0: wasn't phased. No, he, he was not. Phased wasn't phased all.
2: by the New York market, which is something that could easily, easily get kids off their game. Yeah, getting by the New York market. We've seen
0: him swallow so many people.
2: Absolutely, and he was just so good in it last year. I mean, one thing we, one thing we do know. It's not a question for the Knicks. Is we know the New York media is going to have a lot of fun with them. We know yeah. they're definitely going to be front yeah. page material every single night, whether
0: good, bad, or ugly, whatever it is. They're going to be on the front page, and it's going to be worth reading. And I think with Paul Zingas, he showed that. 'Cause sometimes kids come into a league and they and they don't really know, you know, they got the fame and all that. He just loves playing the game. And I think that's so important, especially being being in a city like New York, it's very easy to get distracted. We've seen what happened to J.R. Smith. Uh yeah. but Porzingis he's come in, he really loves the game, he's always in the gym, always working out we're always working out with Carmelo Anthony. So I think that's that's a very great sign.
1: Absolutely. So, what are your predictions for the uh, for the next?
0: I have the Knicks ninth in the Eastern Conference and third
2: in the at, in the division.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'll say third. Yeah, third, and probably about. Between nine and twelve, I think. Say. I
2: think nine
1: and twelve is probably even nine and thirteen. Maybe. Yeah, I think last it's, year. It's, it's on the talent factor. Yeah. They'll that,
0: that,
2: win games in, in a weak Eastern Conference as well.
1: Yeah. yeah, somewhere between nine and thirteen. I've got them at I think eleven. So right, they could. they were they, they in that Last year, but it's not going to be enough. No. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the Philadelphia seventy sixes. One of the worst luck teams in the NBA last season. They did finish fifteenth in the East with a ten and seventy two record. Terrible. We can see the biggest additions in the off-season, Ben Simmons. Dario Saric comes over from uh, Europe as well. This is a team that could be a little bit better than last season, but with the injury to Ben Simmons, he's going to be out for a while. We don't know exactly how long. That's going to hurt, but at least we're we're going to be able to see Saric and hopefully Embiid as well. You could almost say is is an addition to the team as well.
2: And I just wish we could have recorded this podcast last week so we could have talked about Ben Simmons. Yeah. Because now with the injury, I mean, it's most likely he's going to miss, if not or... Majority of his rookie season, yeah. which is just so so unfortunate for him, for the um, the Sixers who have just like you mentioned, Chris, their luck, luck has just been horrible. There's nothing you can do about that, but it's just it's such a shame because Simmons. He looked good in summer league. He'd put on he'd put on weight, whether or not he put on as much yeah. as he was saying 15 kilos sounds a I'm, bit unlikely to put that much on yeah, in that little short amount of it. time. But he definitely just looking at pictures of him training, he definitely looked more stronger and you the sixers wanted we spoke to Ben on draft night as well and Brett Brown said he wanted to use him like a Draymond Green type he wanted to use him as that point forward which is what we saw in summer league and now the sixers they don't have that and for Ben it's a lost year in his development but that being said it's all not bad because it, it, he's still what 19 yeah so but the issue like it, is that
1: it's his foot and It's and feet for big men yeah. are a big concern we've seen so many
2: Was
0: it a Jones fracture careers. yeah yeah
1: it was a, fra- a fraction in the fifth Metatarsal. Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty
0: sure they called it a Jones fraction yeah. as well. It, it, it wasn't pretty. That's memorable. the same what one that Kevin Durant had. Yeah. yeah.
1: So it's a, some people can get over it like Durant, but sometimes when you have issues with feet for big men, that's that's never a good thing. So hopefully he recovers very well because we want to see the 76ers go somewhere. We want to see Ben become the player that we all think he can, but uh, it won't happen this season.
0: Yeah, and, and that's why I think even though... This is an injury where you can, you could potentially see him come back in two to three months. There's been talk that they might sit him out all year, and I think if they were to do that, you could totally understand, given that he's such a big investment for this team. But, yeah. to the good news, Joel Embiid is back, boys. <laughs> yes.
2: yes, and how good has he looked in the... Pre- granted, it is pre-season... So you take and it. There's it still a mass- time
1: for him to get injured before the season starts. <laughs> don't, don't say that because
2: the last one. <laughs> where's the <laughs> wood in here? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> look everywhere. I want to get the Sixers fans up and about about that. But like I said, it's been a preseason, so you take it for granted grain of salt.
0: But boy, he's looked explosive. Yeah, he looks. And he's pretty much played no basketball in, in two years, right? But he doesn't look like he should be. He should be rusty, right? Yeah, Yeah. He doesn't look rusty at all. And. Again, he's he's a guy that, if he's healthy, has everything you want in the modern-day big. He's athletic. He can jump out of the gym. He can defend perimeter players as well as he can defend bigs. He can shoot the ball. He sh- he's been shooting threes in the preseason. He's been pulling up for free. He's, well, he's yeah. been taking it with no hesitation he's whatsoever. No, he's got no lack of confidence, which no. is, is going to see him thrive regardless.
2: And I think it's it's almost that it's, it's a sense of good goodwill and hope that the Sixers just need going into the season yeah, they yeah. haven't had it previously like they had it for Okafor last year but not to this extent of Embiid the two year wait, we saw how good he was at Kansas and it's it's exciting because you when you feel like you're watching the Sixers now you think okay what's Embiid gonna do today
0: but yeah, then again as yeah.
2: good and as great he's gonna be well we think he's gonna be granted he stays healthy is now they've got a massive log jam among the, amongst their bigs with as I mentioned Okafor and Nerland's Noel and as, well. as well. And Saric as well. And So you just think who's... You've seen Noel speak about it, saying he's not quite sure what the Sixers are doing, having Embiid, Okafor and Noel on the same team. Which
1: is why it's okay that Simmons is in the end. I know he wasn't really going to play much of that position anyway, but that's a lot of tools to have on one list. So it kind of works out all right. You bring Saric in, who's definitely ready. He's played... Two, two or three years in, in Europe now. Yeah.
2: He's played a few, yeah.
1: So he's yeah. played he's well. Ready. His played game's well. ready. He's and he
0: played well for Croatia as well. Yeah, so yeah. it's
1: not as if he's a guy coming in at an 18, relatively raw. He's ready to play straight away. So there is going to be a bit of a log jam, but it'll be interesting to see how they all kind of figure out who plays where and what they want to do. And they him.
0: got Ri- Richwan Holmes, who was... Yeah, Rashan actually Holmes. R- Rashawn Holmes came along, re- <laughs> came along really well last, last year. And in the preseason, has been averaging 16 points and 7 rebounds a game. So he's another one that I think you got to add if got in
2: there. If you're the Sixers, you're a front office... It, uh, let's assume they're going to trade one of the three bigs. Who would you trade first? Noel, Okafor, or... Obviously, Okafor. it's not, a, it's not Embiid. So it's really out of Noel and Okafor. Because we saw last year, they could not play well together. They just uh, When they were on the court together last yeah. season, the Sixers were even worse than what they are usually.
0: Well, I would say theoretically Okafor, but like I said before, he's, he's another one of those dying breed of bigs that... Which means you that he won't have much trade value. Exactly. So you don't really know. So, it depends
1: on how everyone else, all the other front offices... Evaluate each player, but you'd say. Whereas if it, you can get the most, if you can get the same amount for everyone, you probably yeah. get rid of Okafor.
0: Yeah, you would. But at this stage, you're probably likely to get more back for Noel, given that rim protectors are at a premium in the league. Yeah, and he's one of the best. His
2: defensive attributes for Noel Noel is absolutely unbelievable. He's he's already shown he's one of the best defenders in the league, right? Because he can defend the rim like crazy. He can. He's He's got this little quickness about him that not many people see, that he can guard guys out on the perimeter as well. He's versatile, which is probably the most important defensive attribute in the league at the moment, is versatility. You have to be able to switch on pick and rolls, do a whole heap of different things, which Noel can do. And again, he's still only 22. So he's still very young. We know he's very, very raw offensively. He can't do anything outside the protected area, but you don't, you don't need him to. If you just put him in a pick-and-roll situation and have him go into the basket and then finishing a dunk, he can do that. He's not a great free-free shooter, which there's not many bigs who are. But, uh, so, yes, Noel probably has more value now, but I just think Okafor's only 20, and he showed really, really good signs last year. So, I would probably lean towards getting rid of Noel before Okafor, just because I think Okafor's got a higher ceiling than Nerland's.
0: Yeah, and you talked about Noel and and he's for all his brilliance on the defensive end he doesn't contribute much offensively a player that reminds he reminds me of a lot is actually Tristan Thompson and we saw and we saw Tristan Thompson in the finals was excellent he was probably the Cavs third best player so if a guy like that he's always going to contribute to winning so do you want to necessarily trade him away I I don't know maybe interesting
1: what are your predictions boys
0: um, I have them
2: fourth in the in the division and fourteenth in
0: the yeah. conference. all behind Brooklyn. Yeah, they'll they'll exactly definitely like be better than last season. I uh, I think they'll win around I'd say twenty twenty games. Is that too generous?
2: Um I'll probably still go 10, mid to high teens. Yeah, seventeen maybe. Mid to high teens, yeah. which isn't a bad thing at all because you get a you get more lottery balls in the ping pong yeah, machine. Yeah. And, and that's what you want in this year, year's draft. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So but all being said, I mean, is the most important. As long as improvement, sh- that's all. Yeah, then the most important thing we Philly this the year is, is they've got a direction now. They can see light at the end of the tunnel. It's just they like got
1: their number one pick. <laughs> the monkey's yeah. off the back.
2: Yeah, and it's it's just unfortunate, like we mentioned off the top when we started talking about this team. Is it's just a shame that Benzema's got hurt.
1: That's right. They but- still got Timothy Luai coming in uh, as a first round draft pick. who's a three and D guy who I really like coming out of Europe. So hopefully he gets some minutes as well.
2: Um, well, opportunity's not going to be. Um, Philadelphia is not going to be low on opportunities, so every yeah. player on that roster will have a chance to play. themselves. I think
0: for them this season, to be honest, if Joel Embiid gets through it, I'm scared. I think that's a successful season. So yeah, I think it, yeah it, it would really, be. Really.
1: Let's move on to the Raptors, who finished last year second in the East with a 56-26 and record. They've added guys like uh, Jocker Perdle, Pascal Siakam, Jared Sullinger from uh, the Celtics, and Fred Van Vleet out of Wichita State. They have lost Bismack Biombo, who was fantastic in the playoffs last year against Cleveland, but really, apart from that series, didn't do a whole bunch. So he was essentially recruited just from that series against Cleveland. I think Cleveland. that
0: was a blessing in disguise for them. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you saw the contract he was given by Orlando, what, four years, seventy million? Oh, around that mark. Uh, something well, coming off the there,
2: back of a playoff series.
0: One playoff series and a guy who again, while he for all he does on the defensive end is a Practically a zero. It's a potato yep. on the offensive end. Yes. Yeah. Like, he can't even catch a ball. Right. That bad. So, I, don't, I I thought it was a blessing in disguise for them. And that, combined with keeping DeMar DeRozan, it was a great summer.
1: And signing Sally for essentially nothing. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah which you take. So, uh, for the Raptors, it starts in the backcourt with Lowry and DeRozan. So, we saw last year they had career best years. We could probably say they're both in their prime. DeRozan probably still a few years off. He's probably still entering his prime. Lowry's definitely in there. Um, We saw how good they can be last year, but it's just a question of whether they're good enough in the playoffs. Can their games translate to the playoffs? So we know DeRozan cannot shoot a three-point shot. DeRozan's got DeRozan plays that offense that's kind of dying in the NBA in terms. Of, he takes a lot of mid-range shots. He likes to handle the ball a lot. He can't shoot the free. He's not a great playmaker. But that being said, this guy was still an all-star. He he scored over twenty points a game last year. So we know he can score. Defensively, he's a hit and miss. Lowry's a better defender. So it. it if you ask most teams if you would take Larry and DeRozan in their back, would you say yes? Yeah. So in that case, they're, they're, they are. They're they are all-star players. But are they good enough? Because that, that's where it starts with Toronto. If they're not playing well, which we saw in the playoffs in some games, they've they can't they've got no chance and, of winning. Yeah, they
0: look like a t- totally different team. Yeah,
2: so just the question is, can they do it? We know during the regular season, this team's going to win over 50 games. They're going to probably make the all-star game again, those two. It's when you get down to the playoffs. You know, Eastern Conference Finals last year, they got blown out by the Cavs in a few games. I, sorry, key so it's just a matter of can these guys do it on the big stage? Because we know the Raptors, we know who they are now. They, they, they've set themselves a benchmark of being this team is a is a team that can win fifty plus games. that can be the second seed. They, they've got one of the best home um, home court advantages in the league. When that Toronto found, Toronto crowd is on, it's deafening. But it's just it, it's a question mark because if you can't do it in the in the playoffs, well, you can't you can't win it all.
0: Yeah, and I think that last year, obviously, they had before last year, they had a few f- years where they had been really promising in the regular season and then been bounced out in the first round. So I think last year, showing showing everyone that they can get through the playoff grind, albeit not not perfectly, I think it's going to stand them in good stead going forward. And it'll show them that hey we're 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 a contender in the East. You know we we can't let people just walk over the top of us and ignore what we do on the in the regular season. Yeah, I'm
1: really looking forward to uh, Jakob Perdle who we mentioned before, who's a big man coming out of Utah, played for Utah in college. This is a guy who could definitely become one of the favorites for the uh, Rookie of the Year, selected at ninth overall, so a top ten pick. Really has the skills both offensively and defensively. Can shoot the three has this, has the game for for the modern NBA. So he's someone that you can certainly look out for to give on the 15-20 minutes a game and really contribute to to the team. I yeah, think he'd be he, definitely someone to watch.
2: He can be a weapon off the bench and speak and keeping on the topic of their big men is Jonas Valančiūnas. Yeah. So he Who was
1: injured in that ser- that last series as well. He yeah, was. Been very important.
2: He probably had his best season last year as, as well. As most of the Raptors which is the case when you win a franchise record games is majority of your players have career best years. Yeah. And he's he's really effective when he gets the ball offensively. He's a really polished, and nice finisher at the basket. Uh, he's a tough matchup for most um, big men opposing big men. So he he's got that that offensive potential. It's just a matter of if he can if he can get enough rebounds and do it defensively. There always seems to be a question mark and stigma around Jonas Valanciunas. Is he's this kind of this kind of bust, which is a really unfair label to put on him? Because I feel like a lot of people. Feel like he can be so much better than what he is. Yeah, but what he is, I think it's really good. He showed that last year.
0: I think, yeah, he is a really good player. And, and you look at his per thirty six numbers, and it's eighteen and twelve. And you would take that any day. Absolutely, would. I think this is where Toronto can kind of go to another level is if they use Valanciunas more and play through him more. That that gives them a totally new dimension. Because you see in the playoffs, teams what they do is they know they don't use this guy offensively that much, so they're really keen on Lowry and DeRozan. And hence you see Larry and DeRozan's effectiveness really go down during the postseason. But you go to Valanciunas a bit more, he's a legit 7-1, which, how many people can you say a 7-1 in the league, right? So you start to play through him, and especially against teams like the Cavs, who we know don't really have too many bigs. I I think that could be something where they they can definitely advance.
2: But it's just that question again: is is Valanciunas going to get the amount of opportunities that he needs? Because by giving him more of the ball, it means DeRozan and Lowry are getting less of the ball. And we know DeRozan and Lowry are at their best when they've got the ball. So it's an interesting little conundrum there, as a because you got all these free guys who can um who can really play really good basketball. They need the ball in their hands. But we know one area where the Raptors are really good is defensively. They're one of the league's. Best defensive teams. Um, they've got guys like Norman Powell off the bench, who's he in his first years in last season was a really really good defender, and he no one really saw it coming. Terence Ross is getting better on that end, and they've obviously got a healthy Damari Carroll this year. We which hope, which is huge. It's a massive it's massive huge. difference for their team because we know he's a really good free and deep player. We saw um, if if. Because if they want to try and knock off Cleveland, they need someone who can at least limit LeBron. Yeah. And Carroll's a guy who can do that.
0: Yeah, and they got a really solid backup point guard in Corey Joseph. Yeah. Who's probably, I would say, the best backup point guard in the league. He's definitely up
2: there. Wow, the best backup
1: point yeah. guard in the league. Who's better? It's a good question. I'm going to have to think about it. I'll come to you next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the topic sure. for next week. Tune
0: in next week. <laughs>
1: No, it, it, it's it, what we call a cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah,
2: it's it's a really good it's a really good Cut point because Joseph and he's another guy who's a really good defender as well. Yeah, exactly. He's a really good defender, he can hit the three point shot, um, and he he's got the reliability factor, which is so important for backup point guards. You got the coach has got to know if I put the ball in your hands, are you gonna make the right decision Are you're not gonna turn the ball over? Are you gonna play hard defense? Joseph is a tick of the box in all those categories. Um Did you w-
1: say Petty Mills is a backup
2: point guard? He's definitely a backup, but I would take it. Matthew a, Well,
1: we mentioned this on last uh, episode, Matthew Delvedeva is a backup player. He's starting. As a starting point So he takes <laughs> out of the conversation.
2: Um, but with the Raptors, I think probably their biggest concern is um, offensively, have they got enough creativity there? Yeah. Uh, uh, is there enough there where they can go punch for punch with an offense like Cleveland's? Because let's be honest, that's who they're chasing. The, the, them and Boston, they're chasing Cleveland. Yeah. So it's really a matter of um, getting all of toronto's strengths and matching them up against cleveland's and you just look at the raptors offensively it's off the back of lowry and DeRozan and Valentinus being so ball dominant there's not enough there's not really a lot of creativity there there's not a lot of um ball movement or off ball screens or movement or things of that nature to really say this team can score enough points and put enough um put
0: enough good moves in their game plan to take their offense to the next level do you think they might be better suited by Lowry kind of taking a step back as a as a scorer and really looking for guys this year.
2: I think so. I think so because I think DeRozan can be a top scorer on the team. Hundred percent, he, he should be. He should be. Yeah. It's just uh, you'd hope he's improved his three point shot this year. That, that, that's <laughs> that's the major major concern because it just it shrinks the floor so much. Yeah. In this modern NBA, when you have your top scorer who cannot hit the um the outside shot effectively it just takes away so, so much of what you can do. And we mentioned it off the top as well about Biombo, how it could be a blessing in disguise, but he's also going to be a big loss. Not a massive loss, but in terms of... He gave him a t- sense of toughness and rim protection.
1: He was uh, very energetic as well. He was mean.
2: energetic, so that gives him a bit of a loss. They do, probably do have replacements for that, but it, it's it, his impact's going to be felt. How much is going to be felt, we don't know, but it's not like they're going to instantly forget that they've lost Biombo. Yeah. I think
0: with this team... One thing that helps them stay in a lot of games is they've they got a very good and very reliable bench. We talked about Corey Joseph, who I th- I thought was one of the best backup point guards in the league. You got Norman Powell, like you said, Terrence Ross, Jared Salinger this year, who's a very good when he when he's up against bench bench bigs, he's he's pretty good. So they're going to be able to stay in a lot of games. Yeah. It's it's whether the late game offense, whether whether they got enough in that tight game to get them through, because we know with their bench, with their defense, they're going to be there or thereabout.
2: Big time. So your predictions, you've both got them Uh, Second and second. Oh, second in the conference and first in the division. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I think second because they're proven that... They've been together for, what, three, four years? They're, they're they've they've got the,
2: um, the the continuity factor, yeah, which I've Boston don't have yet, adding in Horford. It's yeah. a new face. As good as they've looked in preseason, it's still a new face coming into the system. Toronto have been around for a long time. They've got a good head coach in Dwayne Casey. So you know what you're going to get. They're a, proven, um, they're a proven team around the league. So they won, I think it was 56 games last 56, year, yeah. which was a franchise record. Do they reach that? Who knows, but they'll definitely be in the 50s.
0: Yeah, I think they've they've built a really good really solid culture and I think that's going to stand them in good stead coming coming to this season as well and you have to give them the benefit of the doubt I, the think, Celtics. I
1: think it is a coin flip between them and the Celtics it, it's the only a to few it's a couple of wins coin it's a couple of wins those two, coin flip between the Nets and the 76ers for that, uh, the last two spots in the division that brings us to the end of the show. I didn't make any more mistakes. After the first two minutes, yeah. I don't think, I'm, I might be wrong. I'm we like, got, we got f-
2: used to a new studio eventually. We, we did. We got I, I
1: feel settled in. I feel more comfortable now. At the start, I, I was just rattled. Everything's so close. You're all just yeah. so close to me. And
2: now next week, we're going back into the old studio. So I'll Sorry. be funny it's, just like home. it's just like home and yeah, away. We're, we're, f- just, we're just on a long road trip. It's okay. We'll be, we'll be
1: back <laughs> home next week. We're, all we're road performers. We're, we're, we're clutch performers. We struggled yeah. a bit in the first quarter. <laughs> By the end, we were, we were ace. So what, we
0: were fine. Hey, Chris, why, once you silence the away crowd, you know, that, that's <laughs> the first step to a, to a road win.
1: Exactly. Luke, where can we find all your stuff? And actually, we should mention that you're writing a lot of previews. You're going... Team by team, you're writing a 2016-17 season preview for all the teams coming up in the NBA season, so you can find that at the SCN America website. So if you go to the SCN America tab on the scn.com.au website, you can find it there as well as through at SCN America as well, and your own Twitter account as well, at Luke Sakari. Yeah,
2: they're all there. We're about halfway through the season at the moment, so... I'm doing them in alphabetical order. I've got a pin tweet on my profile that has all the previews there in an easy to find place. You've got all the links there in different tweets. So it, we're doing burning questions. We're doing best case, worst case for those teams. We're doing additions and departures. So if if you want the down on your team or any other team, follow it, Luke Sakari. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: Chris, you're probably doing something or other.
0: I'm doing something. <laughs> I, I, I'm doing something. I'm doing something. You're, yeah. you're working hard regardless. I, I, I'm working. I'm working behind the scenes. You know. Well what's your Twitter account? Just uh, give us a Twitter account before. See the
2: Silver twenty three. Perfect. Really yeah. good CAV stuff on a few blogs around the web from Chris Silver. Thank you, I appreciate and it. And on Believe so. the Hype as well. He's got some really good columns.
1: And mine's at Christos Tyler if you want to hit me up as well. Boys, we'll see you uh midweek for uh, for the next uh division preview. Looking forward work, to
2: it.